0: Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Louis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada. Welcome to another full edition of Canadian Common Sense. Today's date is October seventh, and it's Tony here on the campaign trail, your true blue conservative in Saskatoon, and Lewis out here in BC.
1: How are, How are things, are you, my, my friend? friend?
0: Things are going Ooh, great. Cool. I'm uh, I'm actually impressed with the responses I'm getting at the door. Like I've only. Visited about 1,300 houses so far. I've got about 7,000 to go or 6,000 to go. I'm not going to get to them all, obviously. But um, so I'm kind of knocking on doors selectively and dropping a lot of leaflets. But I'm finding I'm actually really connecting with some people, especially when I talk about, you know, how simple it is for us as a province to get out of debt just simply by, you know, only spending what we take in and not, you know, taking on more debt. And I think that's actually starting to to resonate with people here. So I'm glad that uh, I'm finding some common sense people here in Saskatchewan.
1: Well, that's good. I mean, it's one of those things that uh, you wish would be uh, a lot more common, and that is common sense. And uh, hence why our podcast is called Canadian Common Sense. Um, and, And I mean, the fact that you're finding people are you know warm to you know not spending more than they than than the government brings in i mean that resonates with people considering that they uh that's how they have to live their their own lives and run their own households and uh but the problem is is that no government has ever followed that
0: no that's right and actually that's exactly how i pitch it to people is that you know you and i can't spend more than we earn so our government shouldn't now uh Just attach a caveat, Canada, I don't even uh, hold any delusions that I've got a chance at winning this seat because I'm pretty much on my own campaigning here. And the NDP, of course, because they've got lots of union activists on their side, have got an incredible ground game. And I got to give our NDP incumbent credit. She has been out there, you know, working hard and, you know, with a big team behind her. I find that our Saskatchewan Party candidate has still been pretty absent. He's had some of his friends out doing some door knocking for him, but I'm wondering if he just thinks he's got it in the bag. So it's going to be an interesting uh, race come October 26th.
1: Yeah. And, he, and now there's been a couple of uh, scandals with Sask party
0: uh, candidates in the past week. There sure has been. And actually they We'll fit right in for the theme for tonight's show. Now, our Canadian listeners, I'm hoping that you all uh, know this already, but for the benefit of our international listeners, next Monday, uh, October 12th, is Thanksgiving in Canada. So I thought the theme today would be second helpings. So uh, indeed, there is a, a second helping of scandals in the Saskatchewan party. We've got our second wave of COVID. We've got our second female leader in a row for the Federal Green Party. Coming up, a second carbon tax, and Lewis, you wanted to bring something else to the table as well.
1: Yeah, the second time in a week that Jagmeet
0: Singh has sold Canada out. He certainly has, and you know, we talked about this on our last show, that you would think one day he would actually learn that you can't sell your soul for a promise, especially when the promise was broken the, the very first time you did it. it yeah, but let's
1: uh, let's talk since we were talking about Saskatchewan politics and the election coming up. Why don't we talk about those
0: two Sask Party uh, candidates? Absolutely. So on Saturday, the uh, it was candidate Daryl Cooper who was rep- rep- looking to represent Saskatoon Eastview had posted on his social media some questionable shares, I guess it was about QAnon and about a conspiracy that COVID was caused by five G. And so, of course, yeah, and so when that came to light, he actually fell on his sword. He resigned and the Saskatchewan party, appointed another candidate in his stead uh, the very same day. And what the second scandal, and this is what really, really bothers me, just, um, well, let's, I'll explain it and then it'll be pretty obvious why it bothers me. This candidate's name is Alex Now, uh, who's a Regina candidate, Regina Northeast was his uh the riding, and he and he's still a candidate, which is shocking enough. But it was revealed that Mr. Now in 2016, when he was a younger man at the what was then called the Craven Country Music Jamboree, now it's called Country Thunder, but a very, very large country music festival. It's really the, kind of the almost the coachella of country music. And at this music festival in 2016 he decided to, that he would play this game with with some of the ladies random ladies who'd be walking by called wheel of fun or something like that and they would spin a wheel and their options were chug a beer expose your breasts or have a beer shot at you and uh, with a like a with a water gun and i thought okay that's a really inappropriate but what's worse about that is that premier scott moe not only stood by this guy, but just said, Oh, you know what? He was younger and he, and he's, he's learned from his lessons. So no, we're not going to ask him to resign. And that just does not sit well with me at all. Hmm. Especially especially daughters, I guess. Maybe that's why I'm a little more upset about it, but, uh, he was in his 20s already and as we said about well, Catherine McKenna, as we said about Justin Trudeau, as the media even said about Justin Trudeau back at the Kok- kokani grope incident, you're old enough to know better by the time you're in your 20s. You are an adult and guess what? If you're going to run for public office one day, well, you better start adulting very early in life because in the days of social media, this stuff does not go away. No, it does not. That's the biggest that's the biggest
1: thing. I mean, when we were younger, I mean, you could do <laughs> some stupid stuff and nobody would even know about it. Whereas today you do something stupid and it's there forever. So you got to be a lot more careful about the kinds of things that you do do. And, um, and you know and I mean? It's doing stuff like that is not cool in the first place. Um, You know, I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's sexual harassment, basically.
0: Well, it is. Yeah. And what bothered me even more was, and I'm sure it was Saskatchewan party supporters on this Facebook post about it. And a lot of even women posting were like, Oh, Hey, you know, what do you expect a young guy wanting to see breasts? No, no big deal. And Thought, well, what if that was your daughter walking up there? And of course, then there was oh, well, the, the girls were obviously willing participants. I thought, well, if they're drunk, I guess they are, but that doesn't mean you take advantage of their, uh, you know, their state of intoxication.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, at the same, at the same time, I also think that there's got to be a road to redemption for people. I mean, if they're, if they're truly sorry and they truly regret what they did, then. I mean, there's there's got to be some kind of road to redemption.
0: Yeah, I, I'll take your point. Yeah, for sure there does. And, I mean, they've uh, they've attempted to sweep it under the rug as far as they said, yeah, you know, he feels bad, he regrets his choice, and, you know, we're going to move on. And I thought, well, okay. And uh, I guess that's what they're going to do. It's so – so that's my – I, I just don't – I don't think that – I mean, this is only
1: four years ago. That's not very long ago, and I I just think that why would the why would the Sask Party even even want to deal with this? I mean, it's like you know this guy's going to be a problem. Just get rid of him.
0: Well, that, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like, especially it's, you know, it's it's there's three weeks to go in the campaign. It's enough time where you could put somebody else in and you've got you know brand recognition for the Saskatchewan party, they probably could still mount a pretty good campaign with somebody else. But I guess that was their choice. They've chosen to stand by him, and he's in a, a in a tough seat where I don't think he was, is going to be successful anyway because the NDP candidate there is an incumbent, and he's very strong. He actually was a deputy leader of the NDP at one time. Right. Anyway. We'll,
1: we'll, we'll find out in three weeks.
0: That we shall. So uh, sticking with some party politics, the Green Party of Canada has elected its second female leader in a row. And get brace yourself for this, Canada. I'm actually going to give props to a liberal propaganda rag. The Toronto Star actually got the headline for this article exactly right as far as I'm concerned, and Elizabeth May got it completely wrong, and so is most of the rest of the media. All right. The second to absorb that, the Toronto Star, full credit to them. All the article was headlined was Toronto lawyer, Anami Paul wins green party leadership. To me, that's all they needed to say. Not yeah. the first black female to lead a federal political party and not the first person of color to lead a federal political party and all the rest of the race baiting that came with it. The Toronto Star got this one exactly right
1: yeah that's good i mean in today's world that that's just not common anymore i mean (laughs) it's just constant barrage of of uh of wokeness and that's a great headline i mean that's all it should
0: say well exactly yeah and uh i had to laugh when i was reading um actually it wasn't an article i was reading it was uh listening to cpac and Someone was trying to describe her as a moderate. And then, of course, this seems to play a part of her speech where she's all in for universal basic income. She's all in for pharmacare. She's all in for green energy, of course. And I thought, what's exactly is moderate about that? She's just Elizabeth May with a shorter haircut.
1: Is Is that where the needle is? Is that how far left the needle's gone that that is considered moderate now? no kidding. Eh? I mean, th- it's, it's getting crazy. I mean, th- they're considering these kinds of ideas to be middle of the road now. And it's, and it, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. It's craziness. I mean, this and who, and, and, and any leader of the green party is never going to be a moderate. I'm sorry. That's not even possible.
0: No, exactly. And, uh, and Elizabeth May, of course, she she puts her foot in her mouth like regularly. So the latest, no, that's yeah, exactly. So listening to her on an interview, I think it was Saturday night, even after the convention, possibly on Sunday. Anyway, she was calling on Jagmeet saying not to run a candidate in Toronto Centre because that's where Miss Paul is going to to run in the by election on October 26th, and then of course she uh, had to play the race card, you know, we wouldn't want him to get in the way of the first black female leader of a major federal political party. And I thought, okay, I wouldn't consider the green party to be a major federal political party with their three MPs. But again, why don't you just leave the lady's skin color out of it? She actually listening to her talk, she sounds like she's very smart, articulate and could probably win the seat just on the merits of being the best candidate. So why don't we just stop the race baiting?
1: Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, we're, we're kind of having the same thing happening here in, in, uh, in BC right now with, with the, the riding, uh, the Penticton riding. Uh, The mayor of Summerland is running for the NDP and she is a black woman. We've talked about her before on the podcast. when we talked about how, uh, she was basically cherry picked for to run, and the, anybody else who put their name forward was re- flatly rejected. And uh, so, when if anybody speaks ill of her, because there is a history of her um, having some problematic uh, behavior. Let's say um, she's not exactly the kindest person. Let's put it. That's putting it a more polite way. She's, okay. she is, she's not very nice a lot of the times. So, so anybody who says anything negative about her, her supporters are just blasting them online as racists. So, That's a real shame. yeah so this is something that is just I, I thought the whole purpose of you know e- you know having equality was that we were going to live in a meritocracy where everybody is judged on their merit not on skin color not on uh, sexual orientation or anything like that just on their own merit. And when you try to do that, you're called a racist or a sexist or a homophobe or yada, yada, yada. And that's just the way it is today. And it's it's like we've talked about this before, how it's scary, very, very scary, how you can't, say anything without being called a racist and this isn't just going this isn't just for white people if you are a minority and criticize uh, uh, a political candidate who is a minority you're still called a racist and you could be from the same race and we've seen that not just in Canadian politics, but in the American politics especially. Any like they like Democrats are calling black Republicans racist.
0: Crazy. And you know, I really like what you say about meritocracy because if anything out there represents true equality, it's a meritocracy. It's getting by based on really like a Martin Luther King Jr said the content of your character your you know your abilities your your talents whatever that's yes that's equality it is it's the very definition of equality well it's equality of opportunity but you see the left has taken that over and they they want equality of outcome now which is where in uh again to the Saskatchewan election with Ryan Miley boasting about the number of female candidates his party has because it's You know, it's the the equality of outcomes. Well, how many male candidates were asked to step aside so that you could appoint female candidates? I don't know that answer. I'm just throwing that out there. And I mean, if all 28 of these women got by on their merit, fantastic. Um, The reason I doubt that is because you and I have both spent more than a quarter century following politics. And we know the number, the proportion of women involved in the political game as opposed to the number of men. Yeah,
1: and it's it's substantially lower, and it's uh, and it so you can't you can't have equality of outcome if the if the numbers that you start with are skewed heavily. Like this is the problem. The problem is like you could have a political party that's running a hundred percent female candidates for all I care, right? But as long as they got there on their own merit. Well, exactly. And, and the same thing with, with men, you can have a political party running a hundred percent men, but if they're there because they are the best choices, or if you have a hundred percent female candidates and they're there because they are the best choices, the best of the group that you had to choose from,
0: then so be it. Well, yeah, exactly. And I've, I've, my experience has been that, and I've been involved in both provincial and federal politics, is that quite often the women who were involved in any of the riding associations that I was ever involved with, most of the women were actually quite happy to be in support roles, putting up signs and handing out leaflets and whatnot. And not a lot of women were willing even to to sit on the board uh, of constituency associations, for example, a lot of women were just happy to be there and support their husbands or even just support their friends and not a lot of women, in my experience, at least proportionally not a lot of women were necessarily even interested in being candidates
1: no and and there's now having said that we you and I both have have met several female politicians that we hold an extremely high regard and wish oh, had run, Gray. And, and wish had run for leadership and who would have made fantastic prime ministers or premiers.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I
1: was just going to say the, the first name that comes to my mind is the first name that comes to your mind. And that's Deb Gray.
0: Wouldn't she have been a great prime minister? Man. Oh man. So, She would have been
1: amazing. And we also both agree on Lisa Raitt.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And we find, and both of us agree that it is an absolute travesty that she lost the last uh, election.
0: Yeah, I feel awful for her. I realize now it's a blessing in disguise because her husband's uh, health is not well. So I think that maybe, you know, her not being successful in the election me that she's able to take care of her husband, especially through, through this COVID period. But yeah. she by far would be, I think is probably the best prime minister we never had.
1: I, I agree. She's, she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Yeah. Um, now there was something else you want to just talk about before we got to the big one. And what was that?
0: Okay. Um, There was, well, i got two more I want to talk to. Our second carbon tax is going to wait till the end because that's going to make you absolutely furious. Um, Here's something I want to touch on. And this whole idea, this whole concept of a second wave of COVID, you brought up a really good point. I think it was our last show that in order for a second wave to begin, the first wave kind of has to be over, right? Yeah. Now, Ontario and Quebec are both... Uh, saying now that there has been an increase in the number of COVID cases that now we are into a second wave. But as you pointed out, usually your first wave is done and essentially eradicated and then the disease flares up again, correct? That's correct. And we certainly haven't seen that. We've just seen that the case numbers went down and then suddenly are spiking back up. And I know a lot of you Canada heard my rant about that when I was very upset with how the government of Quebec chose to handle the recent uptick in cases, and now it looks like the government of Ontario is following suit, and the city of Toronto is starting to face some restaurant and bar closures, and I don't understand how it is that Doug Ford could not figure out that this was not the right path the first time, and it's not the right path
1: now. I don't know. Um, the only thing that I, I can see is that, uh, Doug Ford doesn't want to be vilified as the premier who let X number of people die from COVID. Um, because like we've said before, the only deaths that seem to matter are ones caused by COVID. Um, the deaths that are occurring because of the measures we took to fight COVID don't seem to matter at all. And even though they outnumber the deaths of COVID, like the, the COVID deaths by quite a margin, it uh, doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to phase anyone. The only deaths that matter are COVID deaths.
0: Yeah, that's really sad. And yeah, we, we pointed out before several times that suicides are up, addictions overdoses and it's uh well you said it the cure is worse than the disease but yeah for some reason it's uh the the covid scare is is much more important and it's just uh it's a real shame well and the thing is is that there's
1: going to be nothing for people to go back to after this is all over there's going to be no jobs because we're going to be deep 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 into a just into a economic disaster like we haven't even begun to see the repercussions yet
0: no we haven't like, because, i mean government supports are still there but now that they're winding down um this yeah. is gonna get ugly
1: oh very ugly like this winter it's gonna the, the the crap is going to hit the fan it is going to get very ugly very fast And it's going to be bad. And the thing is, is that they could have all been avoided. But they didn't want to because COVID deaths are the only deaths that matter. Nothing else matters. Just COVID. And the thing is, is that nobody's businesses matter. The government doesn't care about small businesses. The government doesn't care if how many people go bankrupt. They really don't. Because if they did, they wouldn't be shutting everybody down. People, adults are responsible. We've got, like, I believe the number is somewhere around 90% of of people are wearing masks in Canada. 90%. Wow. Wow. I have not been around a single person who isn't social distancing. I have not been around anybody in a store or uh, uh, any type of business lately that isn't wearing a mask. People are responsible. And if you treat them like adults, they will act like adults. But right now we're, The government is treating people like they, like nobody is, like nobody cares if they infect someone else. No, we all care. We all care. And not allowing restaurants to serve alcohol after 10, what the hell does that even accomplish? Well, exactly. Yeah, like that's. Uh, I don't get all that at that all. All that accomplishes is that that business makes a whole lot less money and is going to have a hard time paying its bills. And they're treating all kinds of businesses like that. Restaurants, bars, pubs, uh, you know, they're all being told they can't sell alcohol after 10. They can't do this can't do that now we're coming into the winter and you can't they can't have their patios anymore but it's it's like these businesses there's so many of these businesses that are going to go bankrupt they're barely hanging on as it is and they just had a summer where they had patios and they had all the tourists coming in and everything and this winter when they got to rely on just locals and now they don't have their patios and they can only have about 30 or 40% capacity, they can't do it. They can't make it. And this is going to get ugly very, very fast. And it's going to be devastating.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. And uh, speaking of devastating, you, my friend, are going to love this next story. Oh, can I finish something? Oh Before absolutely. We move on? Okay. You bet. We are now
1: almost 8 months in. Right? We're almost yeah. 8 months into COVID. And we still don't have any COVID like only COVID clinics. We don't have anywhere for COVID patients to go and be treated where they aren't affecting other patients. We don't have anything like that. Hospitals are still limiting all kinds of treatments and uh, uh, exams and all of that because of COVID when we could be, housing COVID patients in in dedicated clinics. We are eight months in. Why don't we have this yet? Because there's a hospital in the lower mainland of BC, down near Vancouver. They have closed the hospital to new patients because uh, there's been an outbreak and there's like 30-some people, including other patients and uh uh, staff that have all been that have all tested positive oh my goodness now and now that hospital is not accepting any other patients for any other kind of treatments
0: crazy so
1: why don't we have covid specific treatment centers yet you could take these clinics in small towns where they they used to be hospitals and now they're um They're like, uh, uh, they're medical centers where you can get your x-rays and your uh, blood work done lab, like lab work and all that kind of stuff done. They still have rooms from when they were hospitals. We have, I don't know what it's like in other provinces, but in BC, we have a lot of this in smaller communities. Yeah. Why don't they turn some of those into COVID specific treatment centers? You wouldn't be affecting other patients in the hospitals. You wouldn't be affecting elective surgeries. You wouldn't be affecting cancer treatments. You wouldn't be affecting any of these other uh, desperately needed medical services. It pisses me right off that we don't have anything like that yet.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's actually something I hadn't even thought of, but you're absolutely right. There's, and there's no reason we couldn't have. We know enough now about the virus. There's absolutely no reason we shouldn't have treatment centers. You're you're right. I hadn't thought of that at all. Well, I mean, think about this. China
1: did it at the beginning. I mean, China, true, built, yeah. China built a COVID hospital in a week in Wuhan that's true and, yeah. I know that, and I know that they were able to do that because it's a communist country but because they didn't have any regulatory uh, things that they had to take care of but they just got that hospital built in a week in a week
0: um, yeah well, the, the, the us did that as well I mean, uh, they had repurposed uh, a navy hospital ship for that purpose to New York City they sent it up there which ended up not using it for whatever reason but 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 yeah, so it can't be done. But we are eight months in and don't
1: have anything like this yet.
0: Welcome to Canadian healthcare, my friend. We all suffer equally.
1: Okay. (laughs) I got that out of my system. What's next?
0: Oh, I'm going to rev you right back up again. How about a second carbon tax? Because one isn't enough, even though it already went up this spring and is going to go up again, and the throne speech, there was reference to a clean fuel standard. Now, I forgive anybody who doesn't know what a clean fuel standard is. It is double speak for let's get as much fossil fuels out of our lives as possible. And this clean fuel standard, of course, wants to be made using lower carbon emissions and less fossil fuels in this fuel which is of course petroleum. So a little confusing right there. So to the manufacturers of these new clean fuel uh, they will be forced to use, utilize as much non-fossil fuel production methods as possible and if they are unable to use enough green non-fossil fuel emissions type bad pollutant components in the in this clean fuel, they will be forced to buy carbon credits from the government okay. at a at a cool price of are you sitting down, my friend? Yeah. Three hundred and fifty dollars a ton. Our current carbon tax is at 30 so the Canadian taxpayers to Federation decided to price that out at three hundred fifty dollars a ton. That would be like adding sixty dollars to one tank of gas for the average minivan. Oh my God! I don't even know what to say. It's uh, uh well, the first thing I said was an expletive, so I can't repeat that on the air, but just I don't, like, I mean, I've said so many times on the show trying to defend Justin Trudeau when I say he does not understand money, but this defies any kind of logic whatsoever. Like, okay, I get it that a carbon tax, and it is a carbon tax. I mean, there's no other way to label this other than another carbon tax. And I get that that carbon tax has to be sky high in order to get you and I, the people, to change our behaviors, but this is absolutely uh, absurd. You can't just flick a switch and, and shut off a of fossil fuels. It's just not possible, no matter how much stupid regulation and absolutely asinine taxation you bring in. It's not doable. So exactly how do they
1: think we're going to produce enough, enough electricity to charge electric cars for everyone.
0: Well, and I think, and they're not even thinking that part through. I mean, I mean, you're right, there is, there's no way that can happen, but the production of those electric cars still requires fossil fuels. So now the price of those are going to go up. And so does that mean that we need to pay more taxes to subsidize those electric vehicles now? Like it's just, this is a vicious, vicious cycle that just takes more and more money out of our wallets. And what do we keep saying? Canadians are already broke before COVID hit. 49% of us were $200 or less per month from being able to pay our bills. So where is all this money going to come from? Well, and it's not even...
1: Okay, there are much bigger problems with regards to trying to meet Uh, these fuel regulations such as I know they're doing this to try and push everyone into electric cars first off I understand that I know that now if we all get pushed into electric cars they will no longer be collecting a fuel tax which means that that tax will have to get put onto your electric cars or your electricity bills Because they will not, because you know government, they will never give back tax that they've collected, right? Correct. They will always need to collect that money. So don't fool yourself. All these taxes that right now apply to internal combustion engines, like vehicles powered by internal combustion engines, which is 97% or 98% of all the vehicles on the road, all those taxes are going to be put onto your electricity bill. When everybody goes electric. Now, the other problems we have are we don't have enough electricity to service this need right? or to service all electric cars. Now we don't, we just don't. And a large portion of electricity in Canada and an even bigger portion in the U S is from coal generation plants. Like like in the U S it's almost 80% of electricity in the U S is generated by coal fired power plants in Canada. It's uh, it's not quite that high, but BC most of ours is from uh, hydroelectric, Ontario. There's a lot of hydroelectric. Quebec is a lot of hydroelectric, but the uh, the uh, the provinces, the Prairie provinces, I believe, are a, most of it is coal fired generation.
0: Well, Manitoba is mainly hydro, but yeah, Saskatchewan, Alberta, you bet.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, the, now if you want to be able to have everybody in electric cars, the first issue is it's not even where do we get all that electricity? It's how do we get that electricity to the cars? Because the current electrical grid is not sufficient. And this is something that is very, very well known by anybody who knows anything about electric cars and the entire grid would have to be replaced. Yep, yeah, absolutely you know, right. which means a hell of a lot more mining needs to be done for for copper. And they yeah. have to They have to either replace or upgrade the entire electrical grid in Canada. The entire electrical grid. And then you need to be able to produce enough power. And if you can't build more dams because uh, you're destroying animal habitat and you're making it more difficult for, for salmon to spawn, and you're flooding traditional First Nations territories, and the First Nations put the kibosh on it, right? Uh, You are going to have a hell of a problem producing that electricity. The only way that we're going to be able to do that is the nuclear power plants. How dare you say nuclear? (laughs) Yeah, that is exactly the reaction you're going to get. From the green, well, from the Green Party and from uh, uh, from uh, environmental activists all across the country and the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the, it's the cleanest form of of electricity generation we have, but yet yeah, they they don't like it, so therefore it's bad. Yeah, and this is this is the problem we're gonna have, like. I mean,
1: California just banned the sale of internal combustion engine-powered vehicles after the year 2035. Like, we're going to have a massive, massive problem in 15 years or 20 years when all governments are going to be banning the sale of internal combustion engines. And yet, because governments are not proactive, we won't have an electrical grid that can handle it.
0: That is true, yeah. So,
1: I don't know. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. I don't expect anything less from uh, Trudeau, and, uh, and he delivered on it. I mean, more taxes, more taxes,
0: more taxes. Great. Yep, and we're not done yet. We're actually going to get through everything today, because we've got about three, four minutes left, and let's just jump into a little bit of corporate welfare. So... Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford have decided to help Ford, Ford Motor Company that is, with 500 million of your tax dollars to be given to a Ford Motor Company plant in Oakville, Ontario. Uh, This plant is going to be repurposed to build electric cars. And now I'm sure that they've, uh, they've already pitched it as it's going to protect jobs. So the 3,400 people who work at this plant will be laid off while the plant is repurposed and 3,000 will be hired back to build these electric cars. So we've cut 400 jobs, but somehow we're saving Canadian jobs by spending, by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation's own calculations, $159,000 per job. Wow. I mean,
1: I guess the alternative is they would close that plant altogether.
0: Um, and that'll happen anyway. Uh, the automotive manufacturing has been moving to Mexico at triple the rate that automotive production is growing in Canada. Yeah. Remember back in 2009 when the Harper government gave billions of dollars of loans to the auto, auto manufacturers? there's $3.7 billion still outstanding that the auto manufacturers literally said, we're not paying it back. So that was a grant. Now. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I know they. i they, they changed the rules and they're the borrowers. I, I don't, it just blows me away how this happens. I, I, you know, me, I am anti corporate welfare. Uh, because corporate welfare is not capitalism, and not. any anybody who says this is the problem with capitalism, no, this because this isn't capitalism. This is corporate welfare. This is socialism. Yep. And so, I boy, I have a tough problem with. I have a problem with this one. I mean, oh. Ford is in Ford is in big is in big trouble right now. They they're having big time financial issues right now. Ford, uh, but I'm sure that Ford would have closed the Oakville plant and they would have uh, built a new plant in Mexico because uh, Ford has been moving the manufacturing to Mexico faster than anybody, and. Yep. Um, I mean they started with like the Ford Focus the Ford Rangers down there You're, their F series trucks are being built down there there's uh I believe uh, there's they were going to I think they were originally going to be building the Mach E down in mexico and and I and I'm guessing that that's what's going to be getting built in Oakville um, so I just yeah this is this is crazy. I mean, in, in a time where this country is is going stupid in debt, um, we're finding money for things that we shouldn't be spending money on. Uh, I mean, last week, Trudeau sent $400 million to in foreign aid for, for countries to fight COVID when we can't even do it properly here. Oh When, yes. we, don't have, when we don't have the tests that we need here I mean this is it's infuriating and now we're giving 500 million dollars to Ford I mean come on
0: yep and what do we say on this show so often but there's more there is another 300 million dollar corporate welfare package handed out by you and I the taxpayer via our friend Trudeau for the electric car industry, in order to make their cars more affordable for Canadians. And Tesla is the biggest benefactor so far to the tune of about, I think 80 million or maybe it was a hundred million of that dollars. And here's what Tesla did in order to make their cars more affordable for Canadians, because of course, the standard was that their base model had to be priced at $45,000 or less. So Tesla took their base model, which was actually $53,000 and decided to put a sticker price on it of $44,999. So it would qualify for the subsidy. And there's more again. They decided that they would reprogram the Tesla so that its battery capacity would only be good for 150 kilometers instead of the 250, I believe it was, that it would normally have had. So they... Are taking more of our money to sell us a crappier car. Well, see, this is
1: the issue I have with corporate welfare because as I said, capitalism is not getting handouts. That's no. that's called that's called socialism. And Tesla survives only because of corporate welfare. They they get massive grants and subsidies from the U S government and now the Canadian government, but the U S government, like they survive solely on those, uh, those U S government grants every year. Oh yeah. If it wasn't for those grants, Tesla is bankrupt. Exactly. And it just, and it, 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 and because of all this, Tesla is the most valuable car company in the world. It's worth more than all the other car manufacturers put together. Oh my gosh. And Tesla sells three different vehicles. Right. (laughs) And they only sell a few hundred thousand a year. But yet they're the most valuable car company on the planet. And they and there's nothing to justify it, and and they would yeah. go bankrupt without government handouts. So this is this is not capitalism. This is socialism. And I mean, it's this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. I mean, uh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Exactly, And that Canada is a perfect way to end today's show. No, it
1: is not. No, <laughs> it is not. Because we haven't even talked about Jagmeet Singh.
0: That is true. Yep. Let's get back to the beginning. And yes.
1: Jagmeet Singh last week, our episode was called
0: Jagmeet Singh
1: sells out Canada again because he threw his support behind the Liberals' throne speech and voted in favor of it so that there wouldn't be an election this fall because, again, the Liberals made him a promise. Now, we find out yesterday that the NDP have voted with the Liberals to kill the... Committee investigations into the Wii scandal.
0: Well, isn't that convenient?
1: Now, this one, I can't even understand. I mean, Charlie Angus has got to be just flipping his lid right now.
0: He was, yeah, he was ready to go. He was quite eager to get back at it. Pierre Polyev is probably beside himself right now because he was... He wanted to get back into this investigation. And here we are. But Charlie Angus is an ndp
1: -er. I mean, that means he would have had to vote with them as well. And because, you know, they don't allow anybody to have free votes in the House. The NDP whip every vote. Right. So, I mean, he's got to be just fuming. I mean, this is this right here, Canada, is the problem with Canadian politics. We have the most corrupt government in Canadian history just walking free again. And all because Jagmeet Singh wants those 10 days of paid uh, sick leave for people. That's more important to him than taking down the most corrupt government in Canadian history.
0: And it isn't even taking them down. It's just investigating that corrupt government. That's all we're asking for is let the committees investigate, even if it doesn't result in the government falling, which, I mean, it should, obviously. I don't care. Just let them do their jobs. But no, 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 no. Uh, Ten paid sick dates for Canadians is much more important.
1: It's just this is infuriating. This is it's maddening. This is probably the most angry I've ever been on a show because I've it's just been one tirade from me after another tonight. Like it's I'm just I'm so angry that I'm I'm beside myself. Yeah, but you're on fire, man. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jagmeet Singh has sold out Canada for a third time this year. Think yeah. And he's not done yet. Go, yeah. And think about that when you go to the polls next time, the NDP, yeah. the NDP are, are absolutely useless. I I'm so sick of the NDP because they don't care about what's right. Right. They only care about getting more and more free stuff. They don't care about corruption as long as they get their free stuff.
0: Yep, exactly right. They, they don't care about corruption. And for that matter, they don't even care about democracy. And Jagmeet thinking and spend it all he wants to say oh it's about Canadians is what's best for Canadians what's best for Canadians is if we have a healthily functioning democracy in this country and we haven't had one since Stephen Harper was in charge yep. and, and, he, and he was and, the there,
1: so. and what and what's in the best interest of Canadians is to find out what the hell happened with we
0: oh absolutely
1: I want to know what the hell happened and now we're not going to know.
0: I yep, mean, so Justin ethics, Trudeau skates
1: again. Yeah, the ethics, the ethics commissioner can fine him his three hundred dollars all he wants. It's not going to change a thing. No. We need a, now. Now that the committees are not allowed to investigate this anymore, now is the time for the RCMP to get involved. It's about yeah. damn time that the police get involved. I'm sick of this. We need some accountability.
0: We do. I mean, I don't even I don't even care if the Kielbergers don't go to jail. I just want to find out how far this goes up the ladder, who's involved, and I want to get to the bottom of it. Period.
1: Me too. So I don't want to leave. I don't want to end the show like that. I want to end the show by letting our listeners know that once again, our listenership is up. Thank you very much for listening and telling your friends about us. Our listenership is up again and we are, it's up at like another 10%. So we are extremely grateful to you, our listeners. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, indeed. Thank you, Canada and, and the world. we, We are really glad that uh, you're tuning in and I humbly ask you to keep it up. So until next week, it's Tony out here in Saskatoon.
1: And Lewis out here in British Columbia. Good night.